Ephesians 2 has been personally so close to my heart. Um, it's something that's been so close to me personally. Um, and so I, as we go through, I, um, I hope that it's something that, that you guys um, feel from me um, as we get into it. But I have a question that I want you guys to, to, to really think about. I don't want you guys to answer it out loud or anything, but I want you to think about it as we go through this message. And what is it that you define as grace? Because you see, I was always under the impression of grace as this just a gift from God for our, for our eternal life. That's what I thought grace was. All the way through, through elementary school, all the way through middle school, all the way through high school, that's what I was taught as grace. But I was also taught that even though we have grace, God doesn't favor us when we don't do things that aren't pleasing to Him. And even through, through being in elementary school, that's something that was ingrained into me. And, and now as I've gotten older, I see that grace and that teaching of God doesn't favor us when we do bad things don't align. And, and for me, this was such a troubling thing um, throughout my entire, entire middle school and high school and even into my college years that just really hurt me and really just just affected me in my spiritual walk with Christ. Um, but this morning, if you have your Bibles, um, I'd like for you guys to open up with Ephesians 2. We're going to be in verses 1 through 10. Um, and if you don't have your Bibles, we'll have it on the screen. Um, but I'm going to be in the ESV today. Um, that's the translation that I've, I've chosen to read from. But before we really jump into Scripture... I want to pray over Scripture because I believe that when we jump into uh, the Bible and into God's Word, that it's something that we need to do is pray over. So, if you wouldn't mind, let me pray real quick, and then we'll get into the Scriptures. Father, just thank You so much for everything that You have given us. Father, I just want to thank You for, for this blessing and this life that You have given each and every one of us to just be here this morning. Father, thank you for the freedom that we get to come in and to worship you that, that a lot of people in this world don't get to experience. Father, we just ask that as we get into Scripture this morning, Father, that your words would be heard. Father, that, that I, I take a step back and that your voice comes out of me this morning. Father, I ask this in your Son's name we pray. Amen. So Ephesians 2, 1-10 says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins, and in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Being rich in mercy because of the great love of which he had loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not in your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good work, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I think we need to break down this passage into to really three different um, areas. And, and, and we want to be able to define grace after this. That's, that's where my, my end goal is uh, for this passage, is to be able to define grace. But before we, be, we can actually define grace, we need to define who needs grace. And I think the simple answer is we all need it, right? And, and Paul, in, in verses 1 through, um, 1 through 4, or 1 through 3, he says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul, in the very first verse, the second word, defines who needs grace. And, and it says, you. It's, it's simple as that. You need grace. And I, and I don't think Paul is talking as this, as directing it towards a singular person, but trying to make this more personal to everybody who's reading this passage by saying, and you were dead in the trespasses of your sins. I think that's the key word, is you. You meaning me. Everyone in this room needs grace. And, and he says this, you were living in the flesh. You were like the rest of mankind. It's just that simple that, that Paul here is starting out this whole entire thing, defining what it makes us need grace, but also that we need grace. And when we learn that it's that, that us, is, that we are the people that need grace, then I think we're in the first parts of actually being able to find grace. Because I think a lot of times in, in Christianity and in the church, we think that, oh, we don't need grace, right? We're, we're automatically covered. We're just automatically covered. That's, that's a mindset that people, that people have in the church is that, oh, what do I need grace for? And maybe that's something that's happened to them in the past. Maybe that's something that's happened to them in the future. But people have the mindset that I don't need grace, or, or maybe that I shouldn't have grace, or God's grace can't cover me, right? But Paul is saying that, no, that's, that's not true. That's not true at all. Actually, in, in 2 Corinthians twelve nine, he says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul then goes on to say, Therefore I will boast all more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, Paul understands something here. Paul, who was Saul before he became Paul, killing Christians on a daily basis. I mean, think about that. Saul was killing Christians on a daily basis. I mean, Saul would be a kind of person that would walk into this building right now and kill everybody that was worshiping God because he did not believe at the message of Christ. But God intervened on his road to Damascus, blinded Paul, and showed Paul grace. And I think it's awesome that, that Paul, from that point on, understood what grace is. You see, Paul understood something 
that we all need to understand. And it's to understand grace. We need to understand that we have a weakness. See, Paul's weakness was that he didn't really believe in Jesus at all or the power that Jesus had at all. And Paul understood that. Once God intervened, once God became prevalent in his life, he understood that he didn't understand the power of Jesus. So Paul then devoted the rest of his life to becoming more of knowledge of the power of Christ. So much so that he, he is accountable for almost the entire New Testament itself. Even if you count the, his, the people that followed him, Timothy and all them, everybody was accountable into that New Testament. I mean, Paul wrote so much of the scriptures that we talk about and use today. I think Paul really understood that point. Paul really understands that to understand grace, that you need to understand that you have a weakness that needs to be saved by grace. I mean, just like me, just like everybody in this room, everybody has that weakness. Paul then goes on in verses 4-7 through seven to kind of start defining what grace is to us. And it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Man, when I read 4 through 7, I just, I just can't help but to smile and to think about everything that God does for us. I mean, it's just so amazing to see what God does in these just three verses alone. And Paul here is saying, look, when we acknowledge our weakness, we now begin to get into a deeper part of which we can start understanding grace. You see, I was, I was part of this. I, I needed grace more than anything. Um, from when I was in high school, um, when I was really young in high school, probably about my freshman year, maybe I was in eighth grade. But from that point on, um, but from that from previous to eighth grade, my dad was really, really big into my life. My dad was around. I'd, I was at his, over at his house every other weekend. Um, I was at his house Thursday nights. You know, he had me once a week um, at least. But from the time I got into high school, my dad kind of just stopped, you know, talking to me, coming over, or taking me out to eat, or going over to his house. And I was just confused at why that was. And, and the mindset that I had in that time was, why, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? And, and it continued on down this path that, that really made me not understand what grace was, or what, what it was that Jesus wanted to do in my life. Um, and, and I think this is prevalent throughout this passage, um, but, but my dad being in really hurt my spiritual life. When my dad left, it really hurt what I was, what I was doing spiritually and where I was spiritually. And before that, I, I was always excited to go to church, and even, even though I was still excited to go to church, I just wasn't exci- as excited as I should have been. And it, and it really hurt when my dad, when my dad left. And for the longest time, uh, throughout high school and college, this passage in Revelation 3.20 was my life. In Revelation 3.20, 
Um, It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. That was my my whole life because every day Jesus would come and he would knock at the door. And he would just say, hey, let me in. And, and because my dad had left, I was just like, no, I can't do that. And every day Jesus would be like, all right, I'll come back tomorrow. And the day after tomorrow, he'll come and knock again. Every single day leading up to this, this time where I just was like, why do you want me? What possibly could you have that, that, I, that you want me to be, to be your son? It's like, I don't want to let you in. Why, why do you want me? He'd be like, you'll see. Comes back the next day. Just keeps knocking and knocking. And eventually, he got to the point where I was like, I, I, I don't deserve this. Why do you keep coming back to me? And he said, you finally get it. He said, nobody deserves this. And I think that's the point Paul makes here in 4-7. through seven is that grace is undeserved. You see, we have this, this idea that, that we deserve grace, right? Because if we deserve grace, that means it's owed to us. You know, if we deserve something, that means it's owed to us. And I think a lot of people have the idea that, that grace is deserved because it's something that's owed to them because they've been in church all their life. Something that's owed to them because... They got baptized. I'm better than somebody else because I, because I deserve this. And I think Paul here in Ephesians 2 is just completely shattering that idea. He goes on um, in verses 8 through 10. It says, For grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not in your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Paul's first point in defining grace is that it's undeserved, right? But Paul in this, he's, he's looking to shatter just more than it. it's undeserved. He goes so far as to say that there's nothing that you can do to even earn grace, right? And, and this, this was big for me because my, my third, fourth year of college, I went on a mission trip, right? Actually, I didn't just go on a mission trip. I spent a whole summer working in a mission field um, with other youth groups coming in on mission trips. And this whole summer I spent in a little town called Cairo, Illinois. And if you don't know anything about Cairo, Illinois, Cairo, Illinois is the poorest city in America. It is the southernmost tip of Illinois. And the state of Illinois has completely forgotten anything about the, anything to do with this town. But I spent my whole summer in Cairo, Illinois, and the reason why I even went was because I thought I was going to get favor from God for going on this mission trip. I thought for some reason I was just going to be like, all the things that I've done in the past were just automatically, I was going to forget, God was going to forget, because I was here doing something that he wanted me to do. And the entire summer I spent hating where I was, because I was there for the wrong reasons. 
I spent that entire summer absolutely hating every minute of everything that was going on. And when I say hate, I mean my heart was just not in the right place at all. I absolutely could not stand being there. Not that I hated the people, because I loved the people that I was around. I loved the community, but I just did not like where I was. And in the last part of that, that summer, we had a mission, a family of missionaries that were um, from India that were coming back to visit a church that was supporting them, and it was the church that we were staying at. Um, and one of the, the coolest things that have ever happened to me is they came and they laid hands and prayed over us. And I was actually the last one that they prayed over. Um, and there was five people on my team, and so I'm, I'm nervous. You know, I was like, I've never had this done. Uh, I just, I don't know what's going on. And the, all the other prayers were like quick, easy. But he got to me, and the family laid their hands on me. And the first thing that he said was that your spirit is uneasy. And I just think back to everything that happened that entire summer to make, make my spirit feel as if it was uneasy. And the very first thing I said to him, I was like, that can't be me. I was, I was in the point of denying that that couldn't be me. But later on, that night, I went outside, and I just kind of sat silently and, and looked up at the stars and just kind of just sat there in awe of what God was, what God is. And it is the first time that I had actually been quiet um, in looking at God and anything that I was doing. You know, I lived this life of going 100 miles an hour every single second all summer, I was doing something constantly. There was no time to actually rest or sit. But in that moment, I looked up, and I just felt a presence of peace from God. And He was telling me this. He said, you've been trying to earn my favor all summer. He said, it's not something that you can do. He was telling me, you can't earn anything. That just because you are here today, you have my favor. Just because that I am allowing you to be here today, you have my favor. And I think that's something Paul is saying here in 8-10, through 10, is that, that grace is unearned. We can't earn it. We can't earn the grace of God. Just because we go on a mission trip, or just because we come to church every week, or just because we're going and helping the homeless families down, downtown, or we're feeding families, or you know we're bringing people into our homes, we can't earn grace. Because you see, if we could earn grace, we would then boast in our actions of earning grace. And when we boast in our actions of earning grace, we've already missed the whole entire point of what grace is. And what Paul's trying to tell us, and Paul's talking about boasting in your weakness. Paul talks about boasting in your weakness. Not the things that you can do to earn it, but the thing that you know deep down that will never earn you grace, that's what's going to earn you grace. That's what's going to give you grace because God wants you to use that weakness that you have. See, for me, that weakness was my dad. And now, to this day, I can still talk about my dad because God has delivered me from that. Me and my dad still might not have the best relationship, but at the times that I know that God is going to bring me from that, 
God, even to this day, I still have trouble with it. But God is delivering for that. And so for that reason, I can talk about it. I can go out and I can share what had happened in my life. I can go out and I can tell other people what had happened in my life so I can now boast about that. Not boast in what is unearned. Because I can't earn grace. God gave me grace for that situation, so I can't earn it. It's in the things that we can't earn. And you see, grace defined is the undeserved, unearned favor from God. I think that's what Paul defines grace here as. But I, but I want to go a step further here. Because I think we've defined grace, right? I think the church in general has defined grace as that for a long time. But I don't think they really understand what grace is. More so, what grace does. You see, grace just gives us peace. I want you to look at me one more time. In verses 5 through 7, it says, By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Man. You see, grace is the undeserved, unearned favor from God. I think we got that part right. I think Paul is clear about that part. But I, but I don't think what we have right is what exactly grace does. And you see, the first thing that Paul says that grace does, it says, grace does empower you to overcome the times of temptation. And what I mean by when grace empowers you to overcome those times, is you ever just... you. Those times that you know that the sins that God saved you from, those times that you just want to fall back so bad. See, grace is what gives us the power to say no to those sins. Because that's not power that we have. We don't have that power because if we had that power, we could boast in everything that, oh, I stopped doing that. I am the one that no longer does that. But you see, grace empowers us to become better grace empowers us to become less to work less in the temptations that surround us see we can use those temptations and be like hey i know what your future holds so you can tell the devil said because by the grace of god i know where i'm going but i also know what your future holds and because of that you can no longer control my actions you can no longer control what I do in my life. Because I know that I have grace covered, that just in case I do fall back, but my grace is covered. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about going back into these, these sins that once controlled me. Second thing grace does is the grace sets you above the rest of the world. And you guys might be thinking that this is, a, this is a way to boast. But God says, or Paul says, that God wants to seat us in heavenly places. I mean, just think about that for a second. God wants to seat you right next to Jesus. I mean, that's, that's, that's something that, that's hard to comprehend. 
Because when you think about it, you don't deserve it. But that's what's awesome because God wants to do it. And what God wants to do, he's going to do. And because he wants you seated right next to Jesus, that means when we worship God, when we go all out, if we think in that mindset that, that we're so encaptured by what God wants for us, we will know what it's like to actually earn grace or have grace because we can't earn it. But we will know what it's like to actually earn or have grace. I'm going to keep saying that because I don't know why. But grace sets us above the rest of the world. And, and I don't want you to think of that in a boasting kind of way because it's not. It's in a way that we have fallen so far that we understand that the only thing God can do is to save us from our weakness. And when we understand our weakness, we understand that we can be seated next to Jesus because Jesus took our weakness when He died on the cross. He took the weakness that we have. And when He died on the cross, He nailed it with Him. He took it on Himself. Every weakness that we've had in the past, present, and future, he took that with him on the cross for us. He became that so that he could overcome it. And lastly, grace makes us an apostle of Christ. Now I got that from Romans 1.5, but I want to let you guys know that grace sends us on a mission. But not just any mission. It sends us on the Great Commission. See, because when we have grace we now have the power to go out and tell other people our story of how we earn grace. And you see, that's, that's, that's the last thing that, that God really wants us when, he, when, we want, when we understand grace. He wants us to go out and tell our story. That's why we have the Great Commission. We're supposed to go out into all nations, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to go out and tell all people of the power that God has put in us. The power that we know that is unearned. The power that we know that God took to the cross with Jesus. That power that we have that rests inside us, that allows us to have grace, that allows us to live a life like Jesus, that allows us to have a place seated right next to Jesus on the throne. That, that's the power that allows us to go out and follow the Great Commission. That's the same power that allows us to go out and tell people in the community, to tell people across the world, to tell people in third world countries that, that we are scared to even go in because we think we're going to get killed for just believing. But that's the power that lives in us to not be afraid. And here in a minute, we're going to have a time of, of invitation that maybe you, maybe you need prayer. Maybe you need somebody to pray um, with you about things that are going on in your life. Or you just need to talk to somebody um, about things that are going on in your life. If that's you, I invite you when we, when we sing to, to sing this closing hymn to come up and we'll be up here ready to pray or ready to talk, um, whatever you need.